Please regulate marijuana like alcohol. Thank you. I want to see every single election cycle. I want to see it back on the books that, that we, we, gotta, we have to ban this. And unfortunately, I think you also need to delay any approvals of the cannabis industry certificates, whatever it is that they require to actually undergo business, to grow, to sell. I think that's going to be much worse for the cannabis industry than putting this regulation in place. You make people wait, it hurts. Welcome to Far North Tokers. This is episode 91, April 29th, 2018. Your host, Mid Coke. Thank you all for listening. Today we're going to look back at last week's Fairbank City work session, cannabis something. I think what it means is they sit there, listen to us, do what they want to do anyway. You are free to do as we tell you. Three things that we're going to talk about. Limiting the amount of cannabis business, specifically retail, in the city. That's number one. It's going to happen. They're going to put number 12. Next, on-site consumption. They're not going to allow it. They've already said they're not going to allow it many times. On record, they just let people talk. It ain't happening in the city. To a council member, all six, even... Uh, Councilwoman Valerie Therian, she even chimed in and said, I'm against uh, on-site consumption. And so to to a, a member of us, we were all opposed to the on-site consumption. And we asked the mayor to express that. Under this council, three buffer zones. There was a rule that you had to be a certain distance away from certain sensitive areas. It was from door pedestrian path to property. Now, it is corner of building way the crow flies to property line. As you'll hear later, the Evans brothers testify that cuts out all cultivation business. What is Fairbank City trying to do? No more retail? No more cultivation? No on-site consumption? Fairbank City is not very friendly to cannabis, is it? under this administration and this council. Three positions are up in the fall. We have a chance to completely change the board's makeup, the council's makeup. It's gotta happen. One thing about limiting the number of businesses, when cannabis eventually goes federally legal, if we are not practiced and strong, strengthening our business models, Strengthen our strains. Who's going to want to buy Alaska weed? When we have a chance to send this internationally down to lower 48, are we going to have our game practiced or are we going to be allowed to survive in this little protected zone? Let the strongest survive, I say. Don't limit an industry's potential. You're going to hear later Brandon Emmett talk about he is with Good Titrations. They're noticing the same amount is being sold, even though more retail stores are opening up. People are shopping where they're closest to, like any product. What does this mean? If the same amount is being sold with more shops, shops are selling less. Individual shops are selling less. This is supply and demand, let the market decide. 
let the best business model win. Don't give us inferior can of business. Come on, Fairbanks. Have you guys seen Anchorage? Have you seen anything in the lower 48? Let's get better at this game. Tourists are coming. Let's give them a place to smoke. Let's do something in the borough. I don't think we need to worry about the city right now, but change the makeup, change the makeup, change the makeup. Ahead of us, we're going to listen to some testimony. Again, I think it's just show. I think the city wins this battle, guys. This was orchestrated attack. Vivian Stiver has her people standing up, all wearing red shirts, chanting, regulate cannabis like alcohol. One after another, people came up and testified that they didn't want it. They're going to say at the next meeting, the people spoke overwhelmingly saying that this we need to put limits and change this. We need to change the administration. We need to change the council. Here it is, if you missed it last week. Thank you, Ms. Robbins. Yes, the campaign uh, that we were all told about, we voted to legalize recreational marijuana, said, uh, you know, regulate marijuana <clears throat> like alcohol. That was the deal. Social, social justice. This is what I said I would do. This is what I want. What is that called? That's called natural law. If I say I'm going to do something in one community here, and I say I'm going to do something in China, I'll do something in South Africa. And if I don't do that, anyone I spoke to realizes they've been offended. They realize that's natural law. The industry asked to be regulated like alcohol. That was the concern that there were no regulations in place. And then you see where we are today. So yes, it's nine. Your ordinance calls for 12. It's on population, it's nine. That's how that formula is raised. The reason that formula came up was because Fairbanks had been overrun by a bar industry. We are talking about the fabric of our community. This is not a dress shop. This is an intoxicating substance that said regulate us like alcohol. There is no room, there is no gray. That is what they asked for. And that is what our community expected when they voted for it. 53% is how that law passed. Now, when we went out there and said, ban these businesses in the city, they said, no, that's too far, Vivian. We believe it should be regulated. So I want everyone here tonight to stand up. And we have one request. And we would like you to regulate marijuana like alcohol. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Diver. We are on the retail marijuana, the number of retail marijuana stores topic. Uh, you know, as a parent, as a grandmother, uh, how many do we need? You know, how many drug, they're actually drug pushers, actually, because anytime you sell uh, a drug to anybody, you're, you're pushing drugs. And our children are at stake. You know, uh, Think of your own children, your own grandchildren. So I'm, I'm saying we should regulate it, keep it to, if you're gonna let it 12, so be it. Because what image do we want for our community? You know, do we wanna be the marijuana capital of Alaska? Uh, 
it really bothers me that we have, we're at this crossroad where we have to decide, well, do we let 35 or we let 45 uh, retail shops open in our community? It, it's an embarrassment going down the street on, on airport and there's a marijuana shop. I mean, uh, we want to attract uh, tourists, but let's, what kind of tourists are we going to attract? So I'm just encouraging you, if you're going to keep it at 12, keep it at 12, because we, we don't need 30 or 40 uh, retail shops. You know, we've, we've been able to grow marijuana and smoke it for ages. So this isn't anything new, but they're, now it's commercialized, they can grow it, and it smells terrible. Uh, you go anywhere near those plants, it really stinks. But then I have a problem with the co coffee roasting place too, it makes me ill. <laughs> but, uh, so please, please consider that. Keep it at 12 if you're gonna do that, and, and I appreciate you hearing my opinion. I came up here uh, during the earlier council meeting. I appreciate this time uh, right now. Uh, I had said that this uh, ordinance was not strict enough. That's probably not the best way I could have put it. Uh, I don't think it's comprehensive enough. Uh, it was raised the idea that we need more businesses, uh, more cannabis businesses, uh, for the same idea as we allow real estate uh, businesses to be open in basically an unregulated form. Uh, real estate businesses don't deal in a psychoactive substance. Coffee is a psychoactive substance, but we've studied it to death, and we know its effects, and you can find a coffee shop on every corner. Real estate and coffee is not cannabis. It's a psychoactive substance. We don't know all of its long-term effects. If we don't put this ordinance in place right now, and we find that there are things we do not like about these businesses as a whole or the retailers in general, it's going to be too late to try and put an ordinance in. They're going to be grandfathered much like the uh, bars and uh, alcohol sales places around town. Last I knew, and I maybe need to be corrected, 27 applications had been put in for the businesses. In the future, you can always take this ordinance. If we find that these businesses, and I understand you're going to get tax revenue out of this, that's wonderful. And I understand that they're creating jobs, and that's wonderful. But this is going to be a social experiment for now. And you can't just be experimenting with your community. I am not anti-business. I don't think anyone here is, but we are pro-community. I understand that it's a business concern, but it's a business that we don't even know everything about what they're selling, except that it is a psychoactive substance that has not been fully studied, okay. that we don't know all the results for. And I think this ordinance is something that can be relaxed in the future, but it's going to be a whole lot tougher to put it in place if you just let it roam unchecked. Thank you. As far as uh, how many, nine or twelve, uh, this is about freedom. I've heard a lot of people down with cannabis that this is known by the experts in the cannabis field. Cannabis is one of the most therapeutic drugs known to man. And not only that, uh, the CBD is helping children with asthma and other epileptic seizures. 
if people do the homework and research, you know what they're talking about. I don't know if anybody read this in the news minor. Uh, this was on April 4th. Study links legal pot, I call it cannabis, with fewer opiate prescriptions. Can legalizing marijuana fight the problem of opiate addiction and fatal overdose? And two studies in the debate suggested may. I believe it does. I know opiate people that, uh, that come off of opiates and they use and they smoke marijuana to release their pain. Not only that, I had a chance to go into uh, grass station 49 for the past two months and observe some of the people that came in there. People in wheelchairs, people in walker, older senior citizens. They came in there to get some relief of the pain. Not only that, I talked to many of them that'd rather have a good night's sleep without a hangover and taking Valium. If you look it up, Valium is one of the leading death of of uh, people that OD in the United States. It isn't just the opiates, it's Valium. I'm not familiar with Valium. If you look at studies, 58% uh, uh, of the seniors now take antidepressant of Valium. So I welcome as many shops as we can get in here. I just want to make sure as a consumer, and if I was a retail person, I want to make sure they're being successful. You got five or six here in town already. If you get 12, I want to make sure they can make it. I want to make sure they can make it in the market. And uh, this is not Oregon. Uh, this is not California. This is not Washington. We're a little different state here. We shouldn't be looking at them. I would be opposed to any more. In fact, I think we have too many um, retail outlets as it stands today. It seems like um, if I had space available for rental, I'd be looking to find one of these retail stores because it's all about the money. It's all about the money. I've got a granddaughter that's 17 years old and she sat down with me the other day and she says, Papa, they're talking about this marijuana at school. And she says, um, what should we do about it? And I just looked at her and I had a blank thought. I said, well, sweetheart, I said, you better not be smoking and trying to drive a vehicle at the same time because it's just like a DWI. I had lunch the other day, and I'm going to mention the name over at Brewster's and the mall over here next to AT&T, and guess what? We smelled the skunk while we were having lunch. We had drifted through. You cannot take the odor away, and if I was over there in that mall, I'd be throwing a fit right now of having that marijuana store next to me when I'm trying to sell food. I don't know how many Anchorage has, but I assume they don't have near them what we have because the all-American city now has become the capital of marijuana, I guess is what they say. I've heard people say this to me. Um, I think maybe half the stores, when you look at the amount of alcohol being sold from Fred Meyer's Safeway, do we need a dozen different retail stores for alcohol? I don't think so. And I think it's the same situation with uh, marijuana. If it's a medical issue, that's one thing. But for the recreational use, I would say don't do it. You've put a Band-Aid on a lot of things here in this community. I feel the council has. Now's the time to put a real heavy Band-Aid on this and say no. marijuana industry did ask to be regulated like alcohol. In 1967, 
the alcohol industry asked to um, regulate the number of stores or um, locations in Fairbanks. It was the industry that came to government. In this situation, that's not quite the same. So if we're going to follow the model of regulating it like alcohol, let's follow that model. The reason that the industry came to government in 1967 is because of the number of locations there were and the industry was having a hard time making money. There was, I believe, 40 locations at that time downtown. Before they set out to regulate that, government said, slow down a minute, let's get input from um, the alcohol board, let's get um, input from the uh, ABC board. So I feel like we're, we're doing this kind of backwards where the industry didn't come to you guys and say, hey, we needed to um, do something about our regulation. Um, I'm not saying that regulation is bad, it's just the, way, the process that we're going about it. Um, limiting it to 12 when we have so many in the pipeline that have their license approved by the state is also problem problematic. And maybe what you could do is say, well, we'll approve those and then as those go out of business, we will lower that down to 12 as they um, either go out of business or decide to move elsewhere. Instead of just saying, well, we're gonna cut it to 12 and you people that have already filled out your applications, you're just out of luck. Thank you for your time. I've been speaking on the business aspects uh, of the marijuana industry, not that I'm in it, it's just that I'm a realtor and been involved with it from that aspect. I want to talk about uh, some of the, the growth aspects I'm seeing already on Southside. Uh, there's been people concerned about, you know, the industry and it, how it is bad on business, and I'm seeing just the reverse. If you take a drive down Southside now, you'll see that there's a new butcher store opening up. You'll see that uh, the Oriental uh, uh, grocery store has you know, opened their doors over the past little over 12 months. And a building that I own that's not zoned for marijuana, I have people now actually reaching out to me to look to lease. I happen to sit between two uh, marijuana uh, buildings. Uh, so I've been coming forward here saying, you know, brick and mortar's been collapsing. Uh, businesses need foot traffic, and I believe that this business is bringing positive foot traffic. Talking about the good neighbor aspects of it, you know, when I've had uh, some challenges on my property, True Dank across the way there was more than happy to uh, look at his video and help, you know, bring, a, um, bring forward some information to police on it. Another thing that we're seeing across the city, state, or at least the borough area as well, is that all these vacant buildings that nobody wanted, this industry has come forward, has been spending money to improve it. We have less vacants, uh, uh, vacancies, uh, excuse me, vagrants around the properties. And I have four seconds here, so the only other thing I want to make comment on is I disagree with the police ordinance in here. I think um, I'm big on getting police out to handle things, but we do have, uh, you know, unwanted search and seizure laws in effect. Thank you. I just want to touch on, because they're going to touch on the rest of the industry probably, and you know how the industry feels. It opposes everything that this ordinance has to do with uh, in its entirety, 
but not only uh, just reiterate to hear from the retails, uh, like Kevin said earlier, uh, when alcohol became a problem, the alcohol industry came to you guys and said this needs to be regulated a little heavier, we're struggling. Right now there's three other retailers in this room that would tell you this is not going to work. We're not scared of more competition. Uh, and there's not that many places in town you could put another retail uh, as far as the entirety of the retail goes. Uh, with that being said, I just wanted to say that we are in full support of throwing this ordinance out as retailers. Thank you. to sound too much like a broken record here you guys kind of heard it over and over and over um, I think too often the positives are not focused on everybody's focusing on the negatives thinking that we're uh, all the children of the future are all gonna crash and burn because of the cannabis business and industry here in uh, Alaska and that's not the case uh, I myself have kids so don't every other cannabis business owners we've all been members of this community for many many years um, to be honest with all these retailers popping up um, just like Daniel Peters will tell you uh, we could care less either way if it's gonna go it's gonna go if it's not it's not we are of course fully against it um, simply because it hinders businesses and the ability for other people to get into the industry um, it's not every day you have that opportunity um, not to mention, uh, even if a retail were to go out of business and you're stuck with these buildings all over, what are you stuck with? A bunch of buildings that have been bought up to code and had millions of dollars dumped into them? Gary and I just put $100,000 into our roof in the last week. I mean, this is the kind of money we're dumping into this town regularly. And uh, we generate thousands of dollars worth of jobs, thousands of dollars worth of contractor work, thousands, and, and we're a retail. That's it. You know, we're just doing building modifications and constant improvements. Um, we're also attracting new businesses. Uh, that corner lot is now being filled up with food trucks, and it's generating a lot of foot traffic as well, looking at even uh, trying to turn it into a little bit of an event uh, type thing to utilize that corner, uh, spruce it up a bit. Um, there's just so many more positives than negatives at this point. Like I said, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, you guys, but uh, uh, the ordinance isn't going to work. It's We don't need a cap. It's it's crucial to not have a cap so that we can uphold a certain standard. I'm starting the testing facility in town, and we're in the same perspective that we don't think the ordinance is part of the, you know, should go through. Um, this whole part is about growth. Um, keeping the communities. I mean, we go back through everything we've done. There's substantial amount of money being put into these city buildings, bringing everything up to code, bringing it into the thing. I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars. There's a lot more people that are in the process of starting these buildings with the AMCO application. You have to have rent starting to be paid. It's taking six months to get your application through that process. That's six months worth of rent at a minimum of five to $8,000 for these. They're putting a lot of money into these buildings to have a chance to succeed. And that's just what we're trying to do. We, you know, we think that this should be abandoned and there should be no more ordinance in this and let the market decide what it needs to do. 
So I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, uh, I think uh, most of you folks receive a lot of uh, informational mail just being on the city council. And last week, uh, Alaska Permanent Capital, the, the firm that manages your $135 million permanent fund, their newsletter addressed one topic. The entire newsletter was devoted to the $500 billion problem with opiates in the United States. And that's coming from your Alaska Permanent Capital Advisor. And so that newsletter, uh, I believe you all receive it. If not, Carmen receives it. Um, and so as you go about your, your business and these ordinances, because I think you have to see that big picture and say, is this going to contribute to an increase in drug consumption in, in Alaska and Fairbanks? Um, we have a, a very attractive tourist industry right now, and we attract people to Alaska to see Alaska. Um, let's not have them attracted to Fairbanks to buy marijuana. Uh, I support this ordinance and it needs to be stronger. Thank you. So I oppose a cap on retail licenses and I have an interesting perspective on why that is so. So when the regulations for this industry were being crafted. One of the things that was decided upon by those individuals making the regulations at the state level was that we wanted to do our best to eliminate or subvert the black market. I own a concentrates manufacturing facility. My colleagues and I have debated uh, just how many retail stores and what sort of a volume of concentrate consumption this market could bear. And what we found was that as new retail shops come on, we start to sell more and more product. As every retail shop that comes on, regardless of its proximity to the next closest retail shop, we sell just as much or more product. And what that shows us is that people are choosing the proximity to the place where they can purchase legal marijuana over the price point that they see in the black market. And so if we truly want to keep Alaskan businesses Alaskan, if we want to take as much money out of the hands of black market actors and put it into the hands of legitimate business persons, uh, state, local, and city coffers, then we need to allow a number of marijuana businesses to survive and to flourish that allows us to get rid of as many black market actors as possible. Last October, a voter initiative to prevent marijuana businesses from operating in the city failed. This means that the voters in Fairbanks want marijuana businesses here. It does not mean that the marijuana industry should be allowed to make the rules and regulations that govern the operation here. Just keep that in mind. Now, I looked at the paperwork that's been handed out, and you've got 40 marijuana businesses operating or in the mill to get their licenses that's 40. I don't, you know you're going to have that many to start with no matter what you do because you can't put a stop to those people. Um, so I guess what where I'm going with this is there's going to be a lot of marijuana businesses here and let's look at what that's going to mean for Fairbanks by looking at Oregon. Oregon has a lot of marijuana businesses. They have no limits on the number of businesses that can operate there. It is, it's now been determined that about 
three times the amount of marijuana is being produced in Oregon that is being sold legally in licensed operations. There's a big problem because the federal government's concerned about this and where this and where this excess production is going. Well, it's going to the black market in Oregon and it's going to 16 other states where marijuana is illegal. Now, when these businesses get going and there's a lot of competition and they can't sell their product, what are they going to do? They're going to flush it down the toilet? I don't think so. It's going to the black market. We were promised that if we legalized marijuana, there wouldn't be any more black market, but we're headed for a big one, just like in Oregon. And I'm speaking regarding regulator regulating cannabis like alcohol, and we've all had the conversations about using that as a guide, right? Many times when we're trying to make decisions, we say, is it, are we treating it similarly? And it, it appears on the surface that adopting these state regs is treating alcohol like, or cannabis like alcohol, but if we break it down, we find that indeed they're different. The state has regulations to treat, to limit the per capita retail licenses for alcohol, but it doesn't have those similar regulations for cannabis. They didn't adopt them. So that is not equal, right? So we can't treat alcohol and cannabis the same at that level. At the, and so because of that, at the local level, we have adopted and counted on the state to, to implement or to enforce their regulations, which have limited alcohol at a per capita basis. But because they don't, so we didn't ever need to adopt anything similar into our local code, right? We just worked on taxes and worked on whether or not people uh, were appropriately zoned. But because the state is missing that regulation that we rely on at the local level, we haven't had anything. So to treat alcohol, I'm not being as clear as I wanted to be, but to treat alcohol and cannabis the same at the local level, we need to look at what we, how we handle them, and how we handle them is with zoning and taxing. I would say that there's a structural problem, and this really needs to be looked at at the state level, where we where they have been implementing this in the past, and I believe that the marijuana control, well, the alcohol control board has been looking at revisiting these population-based limits at the state level because, of course, in the urban area, we're we we count the population as if it's in the city bound and we're actually feeding and supporting people outside that city. Thank you. I apologize for going over. We have now left the uh, number of retail shop portion and we really appreciate everybody's uh, input and, and adherence to the two minutes and, and that went really, really well. Now we're talking now about on-site consumption, uh, which of course is uh, maybe you could call as a, an area to come and consume, to purchase and consume on-site. I'm sure we'll hear more about it, but that's what we're moving to now. I want to oppose any on-site consumption of marijuana and I hope that you decide to not allow it. Uh, we have so many addicted event individuals that I have personally had to deal with in counseling and a faith-based drug addiction recovery program. But I find it quite heartbreaking. We're about to unleash a whole new social ill on the public and essentially use Fairbanks as the guinea pig 
when it's not allowed anywhere else in the nation. Not even Colorado, not even Washington. It would be us, it would be a first. So I'm just asking you, don't create that situation for our community. It's going to get dangerous. The majority of crime happens between the hours of 2 to 5 a.m., which would be prime operating time for on-site consumption shops. You have to think about all the ramifications, all the scenarios. How are they going to get home? Um, you know, I drove for Uber for a while. No, I would not allow anyone in my vehicle that is under the influence of drugs. So, you know, some people just aren't going to take care of them to get them home safely. Um, I think you're going to see the, an increase in rape victims. I think you're going to see an increase in violent crimes. And, you know, we really don't have the police force to help regulate this and control it and monitor these businesses that would create hazardous situations for our families and community. So I just ask that you please not pass that part. Thank you. I want to touch a little bit on what my colleague uh, mentioned. There actually is in Seattle on-site consumption, for sure. One of the things that on-site consumption opens up is the possibility to get these groups of people that are problematic in these residential neighborhoods that are smoking cannabis in someone's backyard is to get them out of that setting and to provide them a safe location for them to consume cannabis. When we're talking about tasting rooms, we didn't seem to have an issue with much. Um, we could consider on-site consumption spaces to be like tasting rooms. We could see vacant locations within the city being rented, which is revenue for the city. It's also good for tourism to be able to offer that niche to those tourists that are coming here to see the Northern Lights from faraway places like Japan. Um, it is a job creator. Again, it is a space that people that have been in addiction could actually go and work as part of rehabilitation. We do know Maine has places that are rehabilitation centers where we see opiate addicts using cannabis to be able to get through their addiction. So I ask that on-site consumption be considered separate and apart in this ordinance and tabled for another, possibly another ordinance altogether. Um, to limit on-site consumption discussion uh, with it wrapped up into this ordinance is a big order. What I do know is that you and I can go out after this and go right down here to Lavelle's Tap House and drink 38 types of beer if we so wanted to. And then we can go to church drunk as a skunk and that is socially acceptable. And at church we can have Sunday services and have a little wine as well. And that's acceptable. And as the chuckling goes on behind me, this is proof that we are not being taken seriously and on-site consumption provides a safe space for people that want to use cannabis. Thank you. First of all, I just want to say I'd like to find out what church that is that uh, she's talking about. Uh, the, uh, the, the real issue uh, here with on-site consumption is, uh, is it's, it's a, a public health hazard. That, that's the issue that I'm, I'm most concerned about. Uh, public health and public safety. Uh, most people uh, know that uh, when you're out and, uh, out and about in the community and you uh, get a whiff of that very unique smell, uh, you know that there is actually some consumption going on. As someone mentioned uh, that, that they were out for lunch at Brewster's, uh, they were enjoying dinner and then the, uh, the smell wafted over from the business. The, the reality is, is you can't contain that. 
There is no actual uh, technology out there that will contain that completely. On-site consumption uh, will probably be mostly the burning uh, of, uh, of cannabis. And so the smoke is going to uh, escape the facility, uh, guaranteed, because uh, if you look into the, uh, do some research on uh, uh, smoke, secondhand smoke specifically, uh, we've learned a lot about how secondhand smoke gets through buildings uh, for example, if you had smoking in this building, we would be breathing that, that air because there's no way to contain it. So that's a public health issue uh, for people who work in the industry. It's a public health issue for people who are in the same buildings. Uh, and I think it's a public safety issue when you talk about people who are uh, driving drugged. Uh, I don't know how the law enforcement uh, uh, sector is going to uh, keep uh, a hand on that. Uh, we have a hard enough time with something that we know a lot about uh, um, of in, in alcohol, and we can barely even keep that under control. So this is something that's pretty new. Uh, I think it would be uh, dangerous, and I would encourage you to, uh, to speak against it or to vote against it. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. I think it's kind of naive to say that someone is going to just smoke on site if that is permitted. Uh, the argument was made that uh, if they're allowed to smoke on site, there, there's no chance or a reduced chance that they're going to be smoking in their backyard. I, I find that, I don't want to use the word ludicrous, but naive seems to be at least. And then if you change a retail location to a bar, which is basically what you're doing with on-site consumption, uh, how are these people safely getting home? Are they walking? I don't have any personal uh, experience with cannabis. I don't know what its effects are on my own personal uh, coordination, but I imagine I've, and I have seen people stumbling out of bars and trying to get across the street safely. Uh, I imagine that's also going to be a concern. Are these businesses going to run a courtesy van and pay for these people to get home safely? Are they going to be driving? And once again, are they going to be walking out in public? Are they going to be cognizant of possibly uh, not even smoking in a, in a public situation, which they're not supposed to be? as I understand it. And if they're going to be driving, which I would hope they would not, as I understand it, discerning a uh, driving under the influence is much more complicated than it is uh, for just using a breathalyzer for someone who's been possibly drinking alcohol. And just being in the military, usually something that is more complicated is also more expensive. Have we addressed the possible uh, law enforcement impact of having to um, enforce people not driving after on-site consumption. Is it really such an urgency? Can we openly call it an addiction if someone can't wait to get home to consume their purchase? I'm not trying to implicate the clientele are irresponsible, but surely they can get home and get home safely before uh, indulging in cannabis. When it comes to on-site consumption, it's all about freedom. It's about freedom. As far as uh, <laughs> cannabis is causing people violent, violence, <laughs> I don't think so. And as far as alcohol and uh, cannabis, is night and day. Uh, On-site consumption, just like the bars, they have a smoking section downtown outside in a fenced, secure area. And they can drink. This would enable businesses for on-site consumption on property while giving giving space to those who don't smoke. 
There is no scientific proof that you people pass that code of ordinance right here without doing your homework and research. There is no scientific proof with airborne cannabis that's suspects in the air that cause any health effects or anybody getting psychoactive high. If that were the case, I'd be going around the community sucking up the air. Anyway, we had a place called Higher Calling here, and they got shut down by one of our counselors put pressure on them. And I think that Higher Calling was a suitable place where people could smoke freely and uh, entertainment and eat edibles and share other smoke. There was nobody selling anything in there. So as far as on-site consumption, I think it's all about freedom. Freedom. Thank you. from Karen Purdue. I believe all of you received that in your email. And as she states clearly in her points that she wants you to be mindful of, there are in the Western Hemisphere very few places in the Western world beyond Amsterdam where marijuana bars and cafes are allowed. And a few exist and, and very few exist in North America. I think the biggest problem with on-site consumption is we know that smoke, period, is not good for you. I don't care if it's cannabis or tobacco. It's not healthy. It just really isn't. You have people working in there that would be exposed that may not be smoking. Um, and how do you get home? There is no measurable intoxication level for cannabis when you're driving. It's a guess. There is no level that can be measured. There is no field test. So having on-site consumption, you're putting a huge burden on the chief here. He's, it's an experiment. You don't have the resources to fund that. I mean, what are you going to do, folks? And it's so new, what are we going to do? Are you going to overburden the justice system? Somebody gets pulled over, you know, they were swerving, whatever. You, you, oh, they smell like oh, alcohol, and they test. But maybe it wasn't the alcohol, maybe that was part of it. But what about that cannabis that's in there, too? You know, you're going to have people, bars, and cannabis bars. How do you split that liability when someone kills someone? You know, and I keep hearing that cannabis doesn't kill. You can't OD. But guess what? You can get in your car stoned, and you can kill people. Thank you. And, and again, we, everyone here, would like you to regulate marijuana like alcohol. Thank you. I'm opposed to on-site consumption. I've heard by other people tonight. You can go drink as many beers as you want. The chief would love it because it's going to cost somebody. Somebody's going to make a lot of money when you get busted for DWI. I feel anything that's consumed on premises that's not in your own home, and that's going to inhibit how you drive. The liability is out there. If you kill someone, are you going to be able to live with that the rest of your life? My answer is no, you're not. I'm just going to back up a little bit and say the first time I got exposed to this with my family and kids, I was driving down this 4th Avenue in Seattle, and we came across the Westlake Mall. And I said, oh, boy, there's the skunk again. And my daughter says, Dad, you know what that is? I said, sure. It's cannabis, marijuana. I just didn't want to say it in front of the girls. You can't drive around town here anymore with a car in front of you down Airport Road without that bullcat coming out. It's all the time. I was over at Sunshine Health Food the other day. 
picking up some uh, vitamins. I come out, and there's a lady standing out by her pickup, and she's smoking, she smiles, how are you? Fine, she gets in her truck, and she drives off. If this drug, I use the term drug, is going to inhibit you from operating a vehicle, it's in the same class as alcohol as far as I'm concerned. And you should think about this before you decide to have this on-site recreation, regardless if it's in a retail outlet or if it's somebody's retail space where people can go and enjoy themselves, they got to leave. And whose responsibility is that when they get in that car and drive? Alcohol hasn't stopped them from doing it. I don't believe marijuana is going to stop them either from driving after they consume it. So I'm opposed to having on-site consumption. Thank you. Thank you. We've heard a lot about regulating this like alcohol. In fact, the gentleman that was just here we talked about it's just like alcohol. But now all of a sudden we don't want to regulate this like alcohol because we're talking about on-site consumption. It seems to me that they want to have it one way for, for part of the, the industry, but then they want to shift it away from that for another part of the industry. Which is it? Do you want to regulate it like alcohol or not? If you want to rate it like, if you want to regulate it like alcohol, rate it like, re regulate it like alcohol, and have a place for on-site consumption. I would like to ask um, what people thought they were doing before there was any regulation um, for marijuana. People were on the road. Now, if people got caught driving under the driving under the influence, correct? Yes, sir. Now, if somebody was caught driving under the influence and the officer smelled marijuana on them and they were either weaving or doing something to give the officer the, the thought to pull them over, I would imagine they would get arrested for that, correct? So really, nothing's changed. That driving under the influence is driving under the influence, whether it was before the regulation or after the regulation. If the officer um, pulls a person over and is suspected of driving under the influence, they would be arrested before and now. Um, and if you want to regulate it like alcohol, regulate it like alcohol. Hearing some of the testimony here, I feel like there's more of an anti-marijuana stance than it is about good regulation. And when we start throwing these ordinances out, it almost makes me wonder if we're starting to um, weaponize some of these ordinances. And I think that's bad for regulation. Um, I don't have much to say that hasn't already been said other than maybe this is a little too early to be uh, voting on now. Um, wait, wait for what the state has to come out and say about this um, to see where they are on a stance. Um, because again, we're going to all find ourselves back here at this table um, if the state legalizes it, when, you know, um, and so that's where I kind of stand with it. What I just want to say is that from a retailer's perspective, one of the most common questions we get at the retail is where can we go smoke? We can't tell people, you know, where to smoke. They can't be in public. Where are they supposed to go behind a shady tree 100 miles out of town? Especially in the tourist industry, this summer it's picking up sales or going through the roof and we haven't hit full swing yet. This industry does nothing but continue to grow. Uh, and people need a safe place to smoke, especially the people coming here expecting for it to be legalized are just going to assume they can smoke it anywhere. Uh, that's all I'm going to leave there.
Yeah, uh, one thing that kind of blows me away is that this isn't being treated as if it's not a necessity, and it really is. Yes, we have a massive influx of tourists that come here, as well as a massive, uh, you know, cannabis culture. Um, if you have all these tourists coming here, they're, they, that's again, they're asking us, where are we going to smoke, where are we going to smoke? You need a designated area to take this. Um, it, it's a necessity, and not just for that, but for the, the sake of the neighbors as well. Um, uh, yes, some people will still smoke at their house, this, that, and the other, but a lot of people will utilize a safe area, just like they utilize bars. Um, as far as detecting it while someone's driving, everybody up here who's against this has said, well, I can drive by it and smell it through a 14-inch thick concrete wall, but you're telling me a cop that pulls someone over and rolls down the window won't be able to smell it if they're under the influence? Wrong. This stuff, if you're under the influence, if you're smoking it in your vehicle, it's easy to tell and it's very easy to smell. Um, it is, alcohol is much easier to cover up. Again, this is a, it's a necessity. Uh, we're not asking for it to be stamped right away. We're just simply asking for you guys to see what the state comes up with and then we can regulate it from there. Uh, everybody in this room has been directly or indirectly affected by a DUI incident, I can guarantee it. None of us want anybody out there driving under the influence, period. That's something that we can all have a common enemy with. And, and we, as business owners, it's in our best interest to try and mitigate that and do everything that we can to support not driving under the influence. Um, if this on-site consumption does pass in this city, we will be in full support of it, but we will also do everything in our power to mitigate it. If, uh, if we do have to consider offering um, uh, deals with cab drivers or our own chauffeur, then so be it. But that's, I think it's something that needs to be considered and at least looked at and not axed right away. making a legal place for them to go to you know process or do what they need to do um, personally I don't like smoke myself but my smother, father he smokes cigars we bought him an ozone machine it mitigates the smell in his office it's you know I, I can walk in there and stand to be around him and the smoke and it takes it away from the issue there is legal and there's right ways to do this inside and outside and that's for you guys to decide how that reg is regulated um ozone machines are a great product there's hepa filters there's a lot of other things out there that keep the smell out that keep everything out there they can do this properly and for people that are driving we have to put the trust in those people that they're going to get a designated driver we have, you know, we, they let them go to the bars. We put the trust in those people to drive home safely without drinking or call a cab. We've got to do the same for the industry with marijuana. Let those people be trusted to drive home safely. First of all, let me say that I am a former cannabis user. The harshest thing I currently ingest is probably Benadryl for the allergies this spring. Um, but I am in favor of on-site consumption. Uh, but before even that, I would ask the council to separate these three issues into three separate bills. Because I think particularly this section is premature, and we haven't looked at this question creatively. 
um, when we talk about consumption, there are a number of models that we could utilize. It does not have to be a retail store. It sells to somebody and they consume it on site. You could have retail stores selling all over and then provide places where somebody is allowed to consume in a club setting where there isn't sales further of it. That has been done before with alcohol, and you could also require at those such places that there be food sales. Um, there are different models that aren't even right now in the pipeline that I think are very interesting and would be useful for the tourism industry, would also be useful for getting people off the streets that do want to use, that may not be able to use at home because they're renters, that may be homeless, I would be perfectly happy seeing a dive marijuana bar just as much as there are dive bars for alcohol. That is acceptable to me because, once again, it isn't out on the street where somebody is taking their kids into a retail establishment and somebody is smoking in a parking lot because they cannot do it in their rented apartment. Um, I think also by not having places where people can smoke or able to share metabolism or whatever, enjoy the social aspect of it, we then shift that burden to the tourism industry for hotels to deal with. People will smoke marijuana in their rooms and blow through a dryer you know, sheet uh, into a toilet tube as they did in high school, and I think we want to avoid those issues. Thank you. I just want to say that I appreciate all the thought and effort that's gone into this proposed regulation that's going out there. I think that it is important to be cautious. This is a new industry, and regulation is important to control the growth. It is growing, and it can be good for our community to have a growth of a new industry, but we need to ensure that that's not overrunning everything else. We need to enable other businesses to coexist with this and residential neighborhoods to coexist with this. And my big concern with on-site consumption is public health issues. So it's, it's just like the laws that have been discussed over the last couple of years. There's been a lot more pressure on making businesses across the board smoke-free. It's not all required yet, but a lot of businesses are starting to see the health benefits of that. And so keep in mind, as you look at this regulation, that this is something that's moving completely the opposite direction and encouraging more smoke in, a, in an establishment where employees and people around it are more exposed to it as opposed to less. The other big concern that I have is DUIs. Right now we already have a big problem with alcohol. We have a small police force here in Fairbanks and in the borough. The troopers have a very limited number of officers to deal with a problem that we already know exists. By starting out with on-site consumption without a good way of monitoring and controlling or regulating it, there is no breathalyzer test for to check to see if someone is actually impaired by marijuana use right now. There is an established limit for alcohol, therefore it is allowed. I would encourage the council members to consider that and make sure that those regulations are in place to protect and support the police force before the legalization of on-site consumption. Thank you. I am fully in favor of the rule that we won't allow on-site consumption in the city. A lot of things have been said already. A um, couple of things that come to my mind. Uh, the borough has approved 
conditional use permits for marijuana businesses in sensitive areas. That's 27 total, and six of those are within the limit, city limits of Fairbanks. Many of these areas are residential areas where the people came out in force to object for the granting of these conditional use permits. So now, and, and the only discussion then was, is it going to be commercial? Is it, I mean, is it going to be uh, retail, or is it going to be manufacturing? or is it going to be growing? But now we're considering on-site consumption, a totally different subject here that wasn't brought up during these conditional use permits hearings, and that's a real failure on government's part. Now, um, Alaska law currently allows for cultivation, manufacturing, retail, and testing licenses. There's no dispensary license in the law. The marijuana board keeps saying they're gonna allow on-site consumption, but they don't have the authority to create legislation. This is an abuse of the regulatory process on their part. So we need to be aware of this and be ready to stand up for Alaska law and the way our laws are created because we can't allow the marijuana board to abuse that regulatory process and do something they shouldn't be doing. I am here to oppose a prohibition on on-site consumption. I believe that at this stage it is immature. The uh, marijuana control board does have, is in my opinion, a very well fleshed out draft uh, that shows exactly what on-site consumption would look like. It awaits a vote at the June meeting. The recommendation of the director and staff was to put the current draft out for public comment. <clears throat> uh, I myself got to work on that draft uh, along with my colleague, Mr. Jones, and although Mr. Jones fundamentally does not agree with on-site consumption, he and I were able to come to agreement on what on-site consumption would look like uh, should it pass. And one of the reasons why the on-site consumption debate has come back before the Marijuana Control Board, and I can't speak for my fellow board members, but in my opinion, one of the reasons that I believe it is slated to go out for public comment is the experience that the municipality of Anchorage had with their unregulated smoking club. Although ultimately the Marijuana Control Board shut that club down, it was not because of consumption in a general sense, it was because they were operating without a license. The municipality of Anchorage has urged the Marijuana Control Board to adopt on-site consumption regulations because they feel that one, it would better protect their green spaces, two, it would give tourists somewhere to go and consume, and three, there were no 911 calls to the unregulated marijuana club. And we believe that the city of Anchorage is, is taking a good lead on this. I would hope that the city of Fairbanks would do the same. Thank you. You know my position. I am uh, against on-site consumption being banned, especially with this ordinance. I'd like to see you talk about it some more before we uh, straight up ban it. I, I feel like it's a freedom issue, you know, if you're willing to allow alcohol consumption on site. I, I believe that's, you know, 
reasonable for people who want to consume cannabis. Um, <clears throat> as far as the safety aspects of it, I, I don't believe we've seen any crime that was too uh, in the in the real terrible zones that we were looking at with alcohol. So uh, I just I just ask you, you know, to let some of this happen a little bit at a time until we can figure out if uh, you know there is a problem. Because right now you're just assuming that there will be and there really isn't yet. So if we just take our time with it, you know, let something occur and then have a problem, pull back from that. I think is the better method as opposed to you know creating imagined problems. Um, you know, and then uh, one just one more quick thing about. Uh, consuming and you're driving away and that is that uh, people go and they drink alcohol one beer two beers and they keep it under a reasonable limit where they spend an hour maybe two hours there at the bar and they're fine they're driving home and i think that they're not impaired otherwise you wouldn't allow that in the first place i think there's a reason there's a limit you know on the amount of alcohol that can be consumed i understand that the technology is not really uh firmed up yet for us to figure out who's intoxicated while driving on uh, cannabis however it's very similar in that we'll be able to metabolize those cannabinoids come down from that high and be able to reasonably operate a piece of machinery folks understood what number of retail means pretty easy to grasp on-site consumption pretty easy to grasp for those folks that may not be very familiar with the the, the last part I'm gonna have mr. Meeks um, run over those facts for the audience who may not be speaking but want to know a little bit more about that zoning part so Mike if you could just elaborate for a moment before we start yes sir so what the ordinance calls for is that no marijuana cultivation facility may be located within 750 feet of an area that's zoned residence, and that includes multiple family, multiple family residential professional office, two family residential, and all single family zoned areas. We used a straight line distance from the closest end of the building to the closest zone, so no more measuring uh, down a sidewalk, a crossing parking lot, it's straight line distance. So that's on the cultivation facilities. That's how we did it. Thank you very much um, for having me, and if I may just correct one um, erroneous statement, I went on seattle.gov and on-site consumption is not allowed. So um, the other thing is if we don't regulate, and I appreciate the, the distance that you have put in, I wish that it could have been more if we had stuck with a thousand feet um, as someone that has seen an establishment near my children's school I'm highly concerned and I think that the safety of the children should always be our highest priority um, right now as I brought up before half of Shannon Park is zone GU I'm sorry is zone GU which anyone in their right mind would not want to give up highly coveted GU property, even though it is now, in all practicality, a residential neighborhood. So, unfortunately, you know, this argument that we have to give up our freedoms in order to accommodate a business that we had never even expected to be there before ever, um, until recently, is just one of those contentious points that I hope people consider not to give up their rights for as, the, as far as that goes. 
something needs to be done with odor mitigation. I'm looking online, there's lots of lawsuits going on right now about the impact that that odor from cultivation facilities is causing not just animals, not just people nearby with allergies and everything like that, um, but the real lawsuits. And I think there's a trickle-down effect where it's not just going to go after one business. It's going to impact all the businesses um, if they don't get that under control. So thank you. I'm not as familiar with this uh, part of the, uh, the ordinance, but it just seems to me, and I, 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 hopefully I'm not beating a dead horse, if you don't put some sort of limit in place on the outset, uh, there's nothing to relax later. If you don't put a limit on either the buffer zones or the on-site consumption or the number of retailers, it's going to be too late to do that in the future if things become an issue. I think you're going to find, just like the alcohol industry, you're going to have businesses grandfathered, and there's really nothing you can do about it because they're already in place. The other thing that occurred to me is um, once these articles in the ordinance are put into place, if we find, uh, as someone was talking about, for future generations, that it's not an issue, that there's not a law enforcement impact, that there's not an, uh, a huge adverse social impact, this can be modified done away with, relaxed. The flip side is not as easily done to my understanding. It also kind of bothers me that there's uh, a pushback against it being regulated like alcohol, when to my understanding it was the cannabis industry that voluntarily mentioned getting regulated like alcohol. It's not alcohol. You can't get in, walk into a bar and, and breathe in the alcohol fumes and get drunk from it. And as I, uh, I think I shocked some people in my first appearance several weeks ago to say, I wish this was less regulated on the federal level because I've got reports here about the impact on uh, children and families. And they said, we don't have a lot of information on the impact of health of children and families. And it's because there's not enough research done. We don't know as much about this as we do about coffee or even about alcohol. And you have to have something in place you can always relax it later. Yes, in your packet, I'm sorry, I gave you some information. <coughs> I hope you will look at it. And one of the packets in there, it has two articles. I think they're actually a repeat, but it was uh, one is more current. And it says you cannot uh, take away the smell of a grow. It doesn't happen. Uh, the one of the articles, I believe it says in there, it's a great opportunity for innovation because you can't control the smell. So when you get back to on-site consumption, you can't control the smell. Yes, regulate it like alcohol, but there is a difference there. Alcohol you consume, it only affects you. Uh, when you smoke marijuana, it's in the air. You cannot control the smell. So yes, on that point, that needs to be looked at in a different light because the smell has been the city's number one complaint. You don't have enough room in the city for any grows, and I would like to see the council put a moratorium on any more grows in the city now, because there isn't enough room. The science hasn't caught up to be able to scrub the air and make it clean. And um, so we talked about, again, we're talking about uh, Shannon Park. There is in your packet also a letter from Lance Roberts that clearly states it's GU over there. Someone simply has to ask for a permit to have a grow 
and they can have their 1,500 square foot house be a grow, and there would be no public notice. So that's a fact. So I'm getting kind of, you know, thinking we really need to look hard at that, and again, look at the tax roll, see what the buildings are listed as, residential or commercial, use that as your guide, not the zoning, it's problematic. And I, I want to thank everyone who's come out tonight. If everybody just would stand up one last time, we do care about our community. We do care about the fabric of our community. And with this industry comes an element. And not all the time is that good. So having a balanced approach, having limits is only fair to all of us. Again, please regulate marijuana like alcohol. Thank you. The first thing that I've got a problem with with the zoning is that they're looking at as the crow flies or as a straight line from point to point. Um, I watched this in Anchorage with such contention that they ended up go measuring from um, walking or driving. Um, going by the crow flies takes out an immense amount of area. And I understand that there's um, a portion of people in this community that would like to see this whole marijuana thing go away but I don't think or hope that, that that's not what we're trying to do um, the second thing is is that it's been said that um, you can't get rid of the smell of marijuana well for years in this town there have been people that are growing believe it or not when it was um, unregulated and you could drive through neighborhoods and not smell anything from these people. Um, go to some of the stores that are selling equipment um, for dealing with smells from negative ion generators to charcoal filters. Um, that technology is out there to deal with the smell. Um, I think that uh, zoning out more and more area and it's just going to really, really um, hinder this industry. And I think that part of what we should be doing is looking at economic development and not trying to stifle an industry when it's in its infancy. Thank you. So I've spoken before about the, the zoning and uh, what your changes would, uh, you know, how it would affect some of the places that even a person could do business in the town. Um, I think uh, what was kind of missed tonight and describing this is you didn't describe what the, the state and the borough ordinances are for spaces. Uh, as a realtor helping people search for you know, businesses in this uh, in the controlled marijuana, it's difficult. I've said that before. I think we should leave the zoning in place. That's uh, the rules that are in place. Now, the Fairbanks and the borough do have a zoning issue. Shannon Park is one of them. All over this town, we have properties that are non-compliant with zoning. Shannon Park's one of them. All those houses, those lot sizes are not compliance. As realtors, we continually have to get uh, waivers and grandfathers just to close the deals. So we do have a zoning issue, but it's not, um, it's not the buffer. The buffer should be left alone. Um, as far as uh, treating marijuana like uh, alcohol, I've seen a lot of people stand up today and quote that. 
but I've seen the same people stand up and argue against treating it like alcohol. Just my opinion. Thank you. All right, thank you again, guys. Uh, I just want to elaborate a little more. I've heard the state buffer zone talked about quite a bit in the walking distance, uh, but I haven't heard the borough buffer zone talked about at all, which is uh, from our front door to the lot line or what would be the nearest buffer of residential zone or anything like that. So that's, they do that the way the crow flies, and even then, just going through those two layers makes it hard, if not next to impossible, uh, to find places for retail, for cultivation. Uh, besides the fact, I know there's a lot of warehouses sitting empty in Fairbanks, but not all of them are going to make that zone. So you're only looking at probably a handful more of these cultivations going into Fairbanks anyways with the current buffers you have. Uh, putting an even stronger buffer on it, you're just limiting this industry even more. Instead of running with how great this industry can be in a town like this, uh, we're the last frontier it always has been. Uh, we've always been the first to do everything. Uh, why not this? Thank you. I think uh, this is just one more thing that stands in the way of letting these guys come in and do business. Um, if we look at other industries, what other industry is coming in here and trying to open up 40 shops, um, taking buildings that were nothing and creating something? Um, I'm a father, and I plan on being in Fairbanks for hopefully the rest of my life. And one thing that I think about is 10 years from now, uh, when did, what industries are going to be here? Uh, who's going to be putting money into our schools? Um, who, where, where is all this going to come from? Who's going to fix our city parks and the things we need to get done? Um, the cannabis industry is here. Um, I think you've seen everywhere else it's stayed, even with all the fight that it's had come to it. So, you know, one thing that I do, you know, look for is that everybody keeps coming back to our kids, our kids, our kids. Well, what's going to be here in 10 years for our kids? You know, what is, who's going to support Fairbanks, Alaska? What other industries are coming here? Um, so, again, I just think it's one way that's going to prohibit us from uh, doing what we need to do and saying we're going to be a part of the community and be a positive thing. Uh, my brother and I have done about five different licenses now. Um, we spend a lot of time looking at the buffer zones and looking at the city and seeing where other things can go and possibly can't go. The 500-foot buffer that's in place right now makes it next to impossible, just like my brother said, the 750-foot buffer zone. If you look at the map, there isn't a place that you can put one. Um, I think that these regulations that are coming up are just direct stabs at trying to put the industry down now, and it's going to keep happening. I think we're kind of prepared for that. Um, I know that there's been quite a few people that stand up in this room trying to show the power and the force uh, that are opposing us, but I promise you right now I could shut the doors on our st one store and just the employees alone would outnumber what's in this room. Like I said, the, the state's spoken many times on where they stand with this. The money's spoken many times on where they stand with this. Tax revenue, the jobs, the future is very bright. Um, yes, we need to regulate it, but we need to be reasonable with things. I guess uh, short and quick, I mean, this is a growth industry. You guys are all professionals in your field and, and do a good job. And, you know, it is growing and it's growing fast. And that's part of it. This zoning um, puts more limitations on the growth. And it's going to be more difficult. And, you know, we would like to continue to have this grow and uh, continue to make money. appreciate the extra effort that's going into protecting residential neighborhoods in the zoning buffer zones that are being put out there. 
um, for consideration in this regulation. I do understand that this is a growing business and that's great for our community, but we need to remember that it also needs to coexist with the people that own homes in these communities. And areas like Shannon Park, there was a statement made that they're out of compliance with zoning and that's actually inaccurate. They're in compliance with their zoning. The problem is they are zoned GU, which according to the current regulations is not protected from any form of marijuana business so neighbor can move in and start growing without even notifying anyone and that's currently allowable the problem with that is that has an impact on the values of the people who own homes in that neighborhood and in other neighborhoods around there the residents that own those homes do not have control over the zoning in their of their home, of their property. And that's something that's really important for you guys to realize as you're looking at these protections for the residential neighborhoods. Um, as a homeowner who owned property that was zoned GU1, I tried to rezone to a residential neighborhood and was denied. Was told I, they wouldn't even let me fill out an application because I had to own, I had to be a, a wealthy property owner and own at least 13 acres before it would even be considered. So it's not the property owner's fault if they bought a property that was owned that way. They probably, unfortunately, most of us that aren't in government don't understand all the ramifications of that. When we voted for the legalization of cannabis, we weren't told, okay, that means it has to go in all the residential neighborhoods, nothing's gonna be protected, we're not, you know, it can be right next door to whatever a daycare church, there wasn't going to be any kind of consideration for the existing locations. And coexistence is important. We need to be respectful of all aspects of our community. I just wanted to uh, point out something about this ordinance and this piece of it that really uh, you may not have realized, but it is seriously just affects me in uh, good sense. Because, you know, as you may remember, there was some issues as to the distance that the buffer was from my building. And that got sorted out and uh, even though the union hall at the time was, uh, was spouting some opposition I know now that you've been written a letter and that you know that the union hall the laborers union hall just down the street is actually a good neighbor to me and they uh, they want my business they want me to stay there so <clears throat> that being said just imagine this for instance I go to sell my building later down the line and uh, it's upgraded to the max way it could be to be the best cannabis facility that it can be. So somebody maybe wants to go ahead and start a business in that same facility, right? Uh, but they can't because you'll have to renew their, or you'll have to look at their new license. And when you do that, they're going to go, oh, well, I'm not able because you've changed the distance and the way that you measure it too. Uh, so <clears throat> it's... That's a direct effect. You know, I won't be able to, I won't be able to bring in anybody to buy the building at all, and and that's not fair because they're raising the property taxes on that building. It's like I'm going to pay out the nose and then get nothing for it in the end, and it's just me that I can think of. I mean, there may be somebody else that's involved. You know, it's getting close to buffer zones. I don't know about, but so it, just please consider that. Just a little piece. You know, the 500 feet is really a good number. The bureau did their homework. Uh, I really think they took a long time and they did what they could to try to be fair and you know be good neighbors and I, I just this one piece is going to mess me up so please think about that. Listening to this has been an interesting exercise in civics we learn it in school 
and now we're seeing it in practice. And um, we're seeing how it works to try to be good neighbors with each other if we have opposing views. One of the things we can say here, though, is that we have some data from other states who have tried to do some of these things. And I think if there's one thing I would hear, whether there was any of these issues, it might be a bit of tactical patience on how we address these issues. Because um, whether it's an issue that's going to uh, directly hurt the marijuana industry or hurt people who live in neighborhoods and are concerned about their house values for resale purposes, I just think it, it bears um, moving a little bit slow in this situation. Um, what is interesting to me is this, uh, literally just four days ago, the state that is lauded as the, you know, almost like the, uh, you know, the, the, the one we, we should look for to guidance the governor of that state as a result of uh, increasing crime rates in uh, large parts of the state, but especially in the city of Denver, even broached the notion of recriminalization. So it's funny, I just think that we, you know, it bears some, uh, taking some patience. Thank you for uh, weighing these matters because I've been to borough meetings and now this is my first city meeting, and I would say that, uh, you know, a statement was made just a moment ago by a young lady about the lack of protection for uh, neighborhood uh, members and things of that nature. And so, you know, that's just something I think bears a little bit of learning from even from at the borough level. So thank you for this opportunity to speak, and I'll be praying for you guys as you make these decisions. The two youngest members of my family I have by adoption, and they're a direct result of marijuana and drug use. Marijuana is a gateway drug. My father is a police officer for his whole career. He was a uh, worked with the DEA. Uh, I have a lot of experience growing up in that uh, environment of what drugs and how they affect people and things like that. And because of the use of marijuana, that opened the door to the use of uh, stronger narcotics. And because of that, the children were uh, neglected and now they're in my home because the parents couldn't take care of them and so you know a lot of people have been talking about oh the children we, we, we want good things for our children in the future and, and this will bring in money well money isn't the answer for everything and sometimes we have to think about how using these things in your own home not at a facility or whatever how it affects the children. Now, as an adult, you can choose to do whatever you want, but the children don't always have that opportunity. Sometimes they're just subjected to it. And so I would like you to consider that as well when you make your decision on these different things. responsible for our own children, correct? Uh, we can bring our children into bars, uh, they can run around all they want in uh, alcohol establishments, but uh, places that that only serve uh, uh, non-consumable cannabis, uh, we can't. Um, I, don't, I don't see where 500 to uh, another 250 feet, which uh, 750 or 1,000 feet would really matter as long as children under 18, 21 um, are uh, supervised by their by their parents. I mean, it's not. It, I don't see. I don't see where 
the difference between 500 and 1,000 feet would really make any difference. Um, it, 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 it's something that the parents should be responsible for, and that's, that's why everybody's in red here, right? Uh, we don't we don't want children being exposed to cannabis, but we're always exposed to alcohol. Uh, I think it's it's only it's a ridiculous to topic where, um, as adults, we should be able to consume. As adults, we should be able to uh, drink alcohol responsibly, and who's who's to say how, how far or close to something that uh, that's, a, that's an established uh, uh, organization? I mean, what, what's the real argument here? Uh, I'm not a user. Uh, I have tried to educate myself a little bit uh, about marijuana. Um, and this is some of the stuff, just to cap very briefly, what I have tried to learn that marijuana does affect the receptors in our brains that inf influence pleasure, memory, thinking, concentration, movement, coordination, sensory and time perception. And the component, I would mangle the word, but THC, that is the significant factor, or one of them, in marijuana that produces the high. I did know this, the other component, the CBD part, is a significant factor in therapeutic marijuana treatment. It does not give you the high, it's the THC. So, in several readings that I came across, the THC has increased in marijuana from about 4% in 1995 to 12% in 2014. And then I read just recently, according to the Anchorage Daily News, April the 19th, Alaskans have an obsession with marijuana that tests over 20%. So I'm not an expert, but I'm thinking to myself, if this, the therapeutic part of marijuana, the ratio, if it's 4%, the ratio is 14 to 1. If the, if the percentage of THC is 12, the ratio is like 80 to 1. So the, the higher the THC, the part of marijuana that gives us the high, the higher it is, the lower the CBD is, the therapeutic part. So that uh, I am in support of a slow, reasonable uh, constraints and regulations on this, and we have a lot to learn. And I would appreciate a task force so that we can engage different forces and components in our community to give some input, because we have a lot to learn. We don't know it all. I want to be clear that I think uh, marijuana has no place in our community, just as I believe that alcohol has no place in our community. Uh, when I was driving home yesterday from church uh, yesterday evening, there was uh, a lady who overturned her car after sideswiping a truck just outside of North Pole who was very much intoxicated. Now, thankfully, she lived without even a scratch, uh, but uh, I think this highlights how detrimental alcohol is to our community and, and reasonably so how horrible that marijuana is for our community. There's 28 
communities in the state of Alaska that have a total ban on the prohibition, sale, and transport of alcohol. To name a few, Alakakit, Anatook Pass, Nuixit, Point Hope, Barrow, uh, Arctic Village, Scammon Bay, Good News Bay. These communities have realized how horrible it is, the, the detrimental, the, the families that have been broken apart, the lives that have been destroyed by alcohol, and marijuana is no different. It's, it's only going to create problems for our communities. We, as a community, can't stand and let this happen. We have to not only reg regulate it, but I want to see every single election cycle. I want to see it back on the books that, that we, we, gotta, we have to ban this. And, and how many times we've got to put it on until people wake up and realize that we need a total prohibition on marijuana? I don't know, but I want to see it on the ballot every single time, and I want as many regulations until then as we can on it. I've really wanted to give an overview of why there needs to be an ordinance. I know we've said it a lot, and it's even been a catchphrase that we want it regulated like alcohol. This substance is not alcohol. Just like coffee is not alcohol. Just like tobacco is not alcohol. You're not, not going to regulate alcohol like coffee. You're not going to regulate tobacco like alcohol. They're entirely different substances with entirely different effects. You don't have bars like you have the, the coffee houses on every corner. You have a lot of restrictions on tobacco, and the reason you have so many restrictions on tobacco is because we found out how bad it is for people. We haven't found that out for cannabis. The research, unfortunately, either can't or hasn't been done. The industry has admitted they want regulations. They say reasonable regulations, but we don't know what reasonable is for cannabis. If you're not going to instate this ordinance in some form, if you're going to scrap it and come up with something new, then unfortunately I think you also need to delay any approvals of the cannabis industry certificates, whatever it is that they require to actually undergo business, to grow, to sell. I think that's going to be much worse for the cannabis industry than putting this regulation in place. You make people wait, it hurts. They're having to pay for facilities, they're having to pay for employees, while we put something reasonable in place. This ordinance, whether you consider it reasonable or not right now, is what we have. And if it becomes something that seems too onerous, it can be made more reasonable. But this is what's up now. This is what's available. This is what should be put in place. And it's actually for the better of the cannabis industry. Thank you. Hey, hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes of this time capsule of Alaskan cannabis on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. And now, Patreon. Help support the show financially at patreon.com slash midtoker. Here's Token. Oh, yeah.